There could be no better place to celebrate America's independence than beneath this magnificent, incredible, majestic mountain monument. I know, I know. I'm sick of this clown, too. Just bear with me for a second. Today, we pay tribute to the exceptional lives and extraordinary legacies of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and Teddy Roosevelt. Last summer, Trump traveled to South Dakota to give a speech at Mount Rushmore. The speech was a rebuttal to the ongoing culture war over systemic racism and to the persistent questions around how we should retell our country's checkered history and what to do about these statues and memorials that uphold the beliefs of that problematic past. I am here as your president to proclaim before the country and before the world, this monument will never be desecrated. So while people in every major city across the country were protesting police violence and re-examining America's deep roots in racism, this guy decided to double down on the idea of American exceptionalism to maintain the status quo, or worse. These heroes will never be defaced. Their legacy will never, ever be destroyed. Their achievements will never be forgotten. And Mount Rushmore will stand forever as an eternal tribute to our forefathers and to our freedom. So today on the show, we go to the place that Trump chose to double down on that specific idea of the past and ask, how should we remember our country's history? Mount Rushmore, built as a tourist trap in a brash tribute to democracy, a memorial to four men, four presidents, each important to the founding and forming of this nation. But it's not hard to notice its faults. Even though they've been chiseled away and sanded down, they're still visible when you lean in for a closer look. Mount Rushmore is inherently political. Greetings from somewhere. I'm Zach Mack, and this is Mount Rushmore. So right here, this is as we're coming into the Presidential Wax Museum on the right. But if you look way up on the mountain, oh, what do you see up there? Two heads. Two, two presidents. I <laughs> don't know which one. Just a few days before the election and after quarantining and getting tested, I traveled to South Dakota to meet up with my sister Kira and see Mount Rushmore for the first time. The two of us, along with our tour guide, drove up the windy mountain roads deeper into the Black Hills until eventually we saw some familiar faces. And I think it's Lincoln in the middle. I feel like Lincoln. I can identify, yes. It's hard to tell from here. We're kind of far. Is that stat true where like everyone thinks about Lincoln once a day or something? Like on average? <laughs> Have you heard that? Just, no. no. Okay, we'll look, we'll look that up. Before arriving at Mount Rushmore, I had been mistakenly calling it a monument till I was actually corrected by a park ranger because apparently Mount Rushmore is a memorial. For some reason, Kira and I got a kick out of that distinction. We're here. We are at Mount Rushmore National Memorial. Memorial. Don't get it twisted. Monument. If you think you're here to see a monument, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> All right. What are, we, what are we looking at straight ahead? Um, just a bunch of old white men, a.k.a. presidents. Former presidents. Yes, so there's like a 
long walkway kind of leading up to like I guess a viewpoint of the wait what are we calling it memorial the memorial we walked around the little pathway they have underneath the mountain and just stood there looking up Um, I mean it is impressive it's like pretty crazy it's like who thought like yeah I'm gonna climb on top of that mountain and just like carve a bunch of faces I feel like it's very American like it feels really on brand can I just say like Far and away, what I'm the most impressed about is Roosevelt's mustache. Yeah, it's like, it looks like you can just crawl in it and get cozy. And Lincoln's beard is like, his whole hair situation, look at that, like, quaffed. He looks very, like, hipster. <laughs> yeah, he is, for he sure. the original hipster president. <laughs> definitely, definitely has an artisan coffee business on the side. <laughs> yes, yes. So here's the question. Is it bigger or smaller than you thought it would be? I feel like it's both. It's like bigger and smaller than I thought it would be. Honestly, I think that's a good assessment. Just the whole mountain is just a bunch of their heads. I gotta tell you, I'm not underwhelmed. Impressive is definitely the word. I also think I had like some weird preconceived notions about who would be here. There's not a lot of people here, but they just seem like normal people. Yeah. I thought there'd just be like a bunch of... Like Like a a Trump rally when we got here? Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, there were no Trump rallies to be found. Soon enough, those will just be history. But here's the thing. If you don't understand history, you're bound to repeat it. So with that in mind, let's take a closer look at the real history of Mount Rushmore. However you choose to regard Mount Rushmore from a sociopolitical standpoint, I contend that it's a great piece of art. Let's just lay that down as bedrock. This is John Tolliver. He's an author and historian and writes a lot about American history. He wrote a book called Great White Fathers, the story of the obsessive quest to create Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore is the story of the obsession of one man, the sculptor Goodson Borglum. Now, he had an ego to match the job he undertook. Before Mount Rushmore, Goodson Borglum worked on Stone Mountain, which is kind of like Mount Rushmore, but for Confederate generals and in Georgia. It's a gigantic mountain carving of Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, and Jefferson Davis, and might just be the greatest standing shrine to white supremacy. But before having the chance to finish, Borglum was fired off the project, and later on, he ends up in the Dakotas, ready for his next job. He got a letter from some people in South Dakota and said, would you be interested in coming out to the Black Hills and doing something equivalent here? We don't really care what you do. We just know that Americans are taking to their cars after World War I and the roads in America are, are, have gotten improved to the point where tourists are heading west and they're going to the national parks. Well, they're headed for places like Yellowstone National Park. And we would like to pull them off their route to detour them up into the Black Hills. And if we had a big carving up here, that would not might do it. FYI, the Black Hills are the larger mountain range that Mount Rushmore resides in. It was originally Sioux territory for generations until, well, the U.S. government. We cannot overlook that in the Treaty of 1868, The Sioux people was given the Black Hills and lots of other land, by the way. This is Blaine Cordemeyer, a park ranger at Mount Rushmore. And then Colonel Custer, with his expedition, found gold. And that opened up the Black Hills, unfortunately, to intrusion into the Lakota property. And it's not just Mount Rushmore. It's the entire Black Hills. Here's John Tolliver again. 
This is not ambiguous. And if you dig a little, the Black Hills, where Mount Rushmore is located, were by treaty, by the Congress of the United States, given as land the property, the sovereign property of the Sioux Nation. And then it was taken away from them when gold was discovered and Custard led the army into the Black Hills and encouraged settlement. And it went to court 100 years later, and the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Lakota Nation, said, yeah, you got, you got screwed, and we're going to give you money, umpteen millions of dollars in, to basically buy you off and say to, as our acknowledgement that the U.S. government betrayed you and screwed you and cheated you. And to this day, do you know that that money Congress awarded to the uh, Lakota people, to the Sioux Nation, is still sitting in a government bank account. They say, we don't want the money. We want the Black Hills back. So that's the short version of what went down in the Black Hills. And it's not until years later before Guts and Borglum comes to town. The cocky sculptor, who, by the way, had ties to the KKK, shows up in South Dakota and wants to do something big, something that will get him remembered. And... Guts and Borglum, who had been frustrated by not getting the commission for some of the bigger memorials in Washington, said, aha, I'm going to build the shrine of democracy and I'm going to put these four presidential heads, Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Theodore Roosevelt. But Washington is on the mountain, our first president for the birth of the nation. This is Blaine, the park ranger again. Jefferson is on, the, on Mount Rushmore for doubling the size of the nation purchasing Louisiana territory. Roosevelt is on the mountain for the development of the nation into the 20th century. And finally, Lincoln, of course, on the end, is on the mountain uh, for the preservation of the nation through the Civil War. Along with their presidential achievements, these four men have come under renewed scrutiny. Two of them, in Washington and Jefferson, were slave owners. And Roosevelt pretty much despised Native Americans. As I said at the beginning, I, I, I preface my remarks, um, my weakness for Mount Rushmore is that I think it's a great piece of art. It's a great accomplishment. The, the problems of the backstory on the, people, on the people on the side of the mountain is very problematic. Sooner or later, our history always catches up with us. And I don't think we can outrun it. And I don't think Mount Rushmore can outrun it. When we come back, we'll hear from a member of the Lakota tribe. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. (laughs) 
So real quick, before we dive in, let's just say your name, where you're from, and what you do. My name is Daryl Redcloud. I am a fifth blood descendant of Chief Redcloud of the great Oglala Lakota people. And I am a presenter professionally. I present our cultural stories, song and dance, and I do presentations to whoever is willing to listen. I am also a full-time Lakota studies instructor at Oglala Lakota tribe, our college. That's what I do. I mean, it's my passion to share all of the knowledge that I have that was handed to me. Daryl's been working with the Park Service for years to help them develop a better interpretation of his people's relationship to the area. That was a sacred burial ground for our people. When we were within the Black Hills during the fall and the winter time, and hunting and so forth, and if death came upon them, then they would take their loved one to that area. It was a burial ground. It's Itachan Shakbit. Six Chiefs is the name of it, originally, until it came across the name Rushmore. It was in our possession for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And uh, after gold was found in the Black Hills, then that changed everything. They forced our people out and let the settlers come in. But in those treaties, it states that supposed to be no settlers, no miners of any kind on this land at all. It was meant for only us. As soon as they found gold, that changed. Whenever our indigenous people gave something, they gave something wholeheartedly. They gave it, gave it to them wholeheartedly. And we did not never once give this land to the United States. So how could somebody say, Indian giver to me? We never did that. It was them. So they're the Indian givers, you know what I mean? But you know and I know that the United States are never going to come back to our people, the Native people, Indigenous people, and say, hey, we did you guys wrong. They're never going to admit that. But if that would ever happen, our people would, uh, we wouldn't sell the land or settle for the money. We'd want some money. We'd like, today we're talking about trying to coexist with the national parks, with the U.S. forestry and all of this type of stuff and trying to coexist with them and operate the Black Hills the way it would benefit the whole country, tourism, businesses, and all of that type of stuff. After the 1980 court case, Supreme Court case, but our people still said no because it's not about money. To our people, it's not about money. It's it's a sacred place where we practiced our spirituality. I would like to see our people utilize the Black Hills in a good, respectable manner and coexist with the non-natives. What, what do you think, in, t- in 2020, right, obviously all these things happened. We can't undo them. In 2020, what would be the right thing to do? The right thing to do with the Black Hills would be to work with the indigenous tribes that are involved. There's not just my tribe. There's the Cheyenne and the Arapaho. There is other smaller tribes amongst our people, like the Cheyenne, Cheyenne River tribe, the Standing Rock Sioux, the Yankton Sioux different uh, our seven bands, our seven council fires, they all have a say-so what happens in the Black Hills. And to work with our people to make a better, brighter future would be beneficial to our people as well as the United States. 
What would you do if you were in charge of, uh, of Mount Rushmore? If I was in charge of Mount Rushmore, I would tell the truth. I would put displays up telling the truth about what happened to the Black Hills. How did the white people come across the Black Hills? How did they confiscate it? Tell the truth about it and tell the truth about the people that worked on the mountain. Some of them, from what I've studied and from the material I got from Mount Rushmore, Mr. Borglum was involved with the Ku Klux Klan. Those things shouldn't be happening. I mean, it's a sore in our side. It's never healed, and I don't think it's ever gonna heal until we start to implement more truth to what really happened in the Black Hills at Mount Rushmore. How do you do this without being angry, without being upset? It has a lot to do with my spirituality and my understanding on how I need to be a positive representative of our people. When people take your Mount Rushmore tour, what shocks them, what surprises them? 95% of them are encouraging to me, saying this is what we need to hear. We need to hear the truth. Keep doing what you're doing, Mr. Red Cloud. This is what needs to be told. The other 5% are saying, hey, forget about it. You know, you know, that happened way back then. We can't do nothing about it now. Just forget about it. But I tell them, how can somebody forget about the genocide that happened to the indigenous people of this country? How could somebody overcome that? And if anything, the United States needs to come back and make an apology and help the people to heal from that genocide. It has created intergenerational trauma, cycles that affect our people all the way up to today. for better or for worse, has become shorthand for America. I mean, that's the story of America right there. Mount Rushmore, on a macro level, is, in a, in a nutshell, is the story of what's happened to the American West, how we, we, we took it away, we seized it from its indigenous people, we conquered it. Who do we put on it? We put four white males. You know, you can't get away with that anymore. But, on the other hand, there it is. There's the story of America right at Mount Rushmore. Everything you want to know about America is right there. The story of America writ large, warts and all. Those warts are pretty big because Mount Rushmore is pretty big. This is Mount Rushmore. All right, that's it for today. If you're digging the show, please share it with a friend or share it on social. This is a tiny, humble show. We don't have a marketing budget. So anything you guys are doing to help put it out there, it means a lot. And thank you in advance. I want to thank my sister, Kira, for coming with me on this trip. I love you very much. It was so good to see you. This episode was produced by myself and Caroline Shagrin. Thank you, Caroline. Also, big thanks to Jasmine Aguilera, who came through with some great edits. 
Really appreciate that. Thanks to Scoranon for anonymously scoring yet another one. Thanks to Dan Turek, whose face belongs on a mountain after mixing and scoring and helping sound design this bad boy. Appreciate it. Legal help from Sam the Odd Father Alcabez. And if you have a road trip story that you want to share, there is a voicemail for the show in the show notes. Leave me a message. I've gotten some great messages already. They've been very sweet. It's great to hear from you guys. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.